That's the record button. Have we started? We have started. So this is the Meat for Tea cast. You might always start like that. Who knows? Hey, everybody. So just want to let you know, Elizabeth knows we are recording. Welcome to the Meat for Tea cast. That's very silly. I do know, though. I, I, I know what to look for. We were just discussing our intro. I like our intro. I think we're keeping our intro. You can actually let us know. Yeah, go to the, the, you follow the Meat for Tea cast page on Facebook, right? Weigh in. Do you like our original intro or would you like us to craft something new? Let us know. This is a little informal opinion poll just for you. <laughs> Have fun. Obviously, I'm Elizabeth McDuffie. I'm Mark Allen Miller. Welcome to the Meat for Tea cast. Season five, episode two. <laughs> and this time we bring you a fun thing. We were guests on a wonderful podcast hosted by Tammy Takayishi, the Creative Piecemeal Podcast. Piecemeal spelled P-E-A-C-E, meal. But we were on that as her guests separately. You mm-hmm. can look for those episodes. We'll link them. Wonderful time. And to celebrate her 100th episode, we we're honored to be invited to turn the tables on her and ask her the, some of the questions that she usually asks her guests. It was a lot of fun. It was, it was really, so really much yeah. fun. So we've got an excerpt from that episode to share with you. And if you want to hear the rest, we'll, we'll give you the link. You will want to hear the rest. You can also just look for Creative Piecemeal wherever she you get your favorite podcasts. conversations with all kinds of fascinating people, composers mm-hmm. and writers and artists and music therapists, just a wide range of creative talents, sort of like we do on the Meet for Tea cast. No wonder we get along. Yeah, it, it makes a lot of sense. So we've got that. And then after that, stick around because we also have our appearance from September 8th of this month. With on the Fabulous 413. On the Fabulous 413 with Monty Belmonte and Khalees Smith on the NEPM network. New England Public Media. And you can hear the whole episode, of course, through their their feed, which is on everywhere you get your favorite podcast as well. But we are playing our segment for you with their very uh, gracious permission. So so enjoy that. But up first, before we get to the Creative Piecemeal excerpt from our, her 100th episode, we do have one review. One. One. We could use more. We sure could. It's not that hard. We like reading them. We like reading them, we like them, and even better than reading them, if you want to go and leave your five-star review with writing, and then just take the time to read it yourself in a voice memo. And send it to meetforteacast at gmail.com, and we'll- We'd love to hear your voices. Probably play it on the, uh, on you the next You can read episode. it, you can sing it, mm-hmm. you can put it into three-part harmony and barbershop, well, that'd be more like four-part harmony. That is four, yeah. <laughs> barbershop chorus it. I want to hear that. Yeah. That's a, that's a meaty challenge okay, for someone yeah. to take on. You've got the challenge. Go for it. You can Gilbert and Sullivan it. Do it in patter. Ooh. God. There's so many ways just to knock our socks off. I'm just telling you a few of them. My parents, may they rest in peace, would love to hear that. My dad would love it. Mm-hmm. So anyway, this review is from Christian Livermore, and this is in response to our first episode of the season where we did a special table reading of A Long Moment in the South by Richard Wayne Horton. Go back and check that out if you haven't heard it. It's so great. (laughs) Yeah, so Christian says, 
These guys are always great. I love the table read in this one with triple exclamation points. So thank you very much, Christian. Thank you, Christian. Speaking of Christian. Oh, yes. Her book, The Very Special Dad, is out. It's available for pre-order. It's ready in hardcover, paperback, and ebook. Yeah, the, Kin- the Kindle edition will be out probably by uh, October 1st, and pre-orders are up on the Meat for Tea website for the hardcover and softcover editions, and probably will be shipping by the 1st as well. And you can also go to Amazon and buy it there and probably get it even before then. But officially it comes out October 1st. So go check it out. It's a yeah. wonderful book. It's our first our first full-length novel on the Meat for Tea Press. Our first full-length novel, our first book available in hardcover form. It's exciting. Yeah. Well, let's get into... Uh, Let, let's talk into it. The Creative Piecemeal Podcast. And in three, two, one. Welcome to Creative Piecemeal Podcast, a podcast for creatives. I'm your host, Tammy Takeishi. Join me for compelling conversations with artists, actors, authors, musicians, and other creatives about the impact of the creative and fine arts in their lives and our ever-changing world. Thank you for listening. Hello, and welcome to Creative Piecemeal Podcast. This is a very special episode, the 100th episode, and I am honored to have some wonderful guests back to interview me, Mark and Elizabeth, and they're super fantastic creative people. They run the Meat for Tea podcast and, sorry, Meat for Tea Literary Journal and Meat for, is it Meat for Tea Cast? Yes. You got it. Meat for tea cast. <laughs> it's a mouthful. Yes. Um, podcasts, which if you haven't had a chance to check out, definitely do. They are such wonderful creative souls, and I couldn't imagine anyone else interviewing me for my 100th episode. So thank you so much for coming on. Well, that's an honor. Aw, thanks. That's a really big honor. Thank you. Do you want to go first? Where do we begin? Hmm. I'm going to start then. Yeah, I think Elizabeth's going to start. Okay, so who or what inspired you to become a musician, music therapist, podcaster? That's such a great question. <laughs> it's really funny because you wrote it. I, <laughs> right? When I ask this to guests, I, I'm now realizing maybe I shouldn't start with that question. <laughs> it's like, boom, right off the bat. Um, wh- how much time do you have? Because that could be a long story. I'll, I'll give you the Reader's Digest condensed version. But time. in terms of musician, I've just always loved music. My family was musical. And, you know, I grew up having lessons for piano and violin and, you know, going to concerts with my family, orchestra concerts and things like that. And, you know, rock concerts with my friends and just music all the time. And so it just felt like a natural progression to go into music when I was in college also, because I wasn't really that gifted in other areas. Um, You know, I was definitely more gifted in the creative fields, writing, and music and things of that nature. So that's naturally where where I, I found myself. But in terms of music therapy, um, 
I thought I wanted to do music education and then decided like, that's not quite the fit for me. And I found out about music therapy and I absolutely just fell in love with it. And I really feel like I found who I was. Like I found my tribe, so to speak, when I got to grad school for music therapy and it just was, it clicked, like everything clicked. It felt like everything I was supposed to be was, and supposed to do on earth was wrapped up in this field of music therapy. And then in terms of podcasting, um, that grew out of just a natural curiosity. I enjoy meeting people. I love to talk. I also love to listen. And I had a very sporadic blog and I decided that I realized like, I I can't, I can't write a blog post to save my life. I, I feel like I have nothing interesting to say. So I was like, okay, well, if I interview people and I send them questions and they send them back and I'll post it on my blog and they'll write the blog for me. And then I was like, why am I doing it this way? Why don't I just try a podcast? At that time, I'd never, I'd never listened to a single one at the time. Um, so I was like, well, I should probably listen to some podcasts. And I fell in love with it. And I loved that uh, it's just a really interesting medium. There's so much stuff. Although I must say, I'm not a true crime podcast person. I'm more of the comedy podcast person or, um, you know, like creative arts podcast person like like yours, for example, or ones about writing. And of course, ones about music. So that's really more my jam. And I thought, well, I'll just try it. And it's actually easier for me to do than keeping up a blog, which I still am really bad at doing. <laughs> sure, sure. So I no, delegate I, I those that. tasks. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm not. I'm not much of a blogger at all. But the podcast has been has been a really good. You know, it's been a really good after that. I mean, Elizabeth's usually the primary host, but even I've so, made so many friends. Yeah, no, we, we love that for a lot of the same reasons too. Mm-hmm. And it's interesting because there's so much more work that goes to a podcast than like a blog, but it's for some reason easier, you know, Yeah, I, <laughs> I don't I, know why I can see that. I can see that. I'm me being, me being an audio person and, and being mildly dyslexic, which is funny. Cause I also, you know, do the layout for an arts and literary journal. It's kind of funny, but me being mildly dyslexic and being an audio person, I totally get that. Let's see. I, I, I think, I think I'm going to jump down a little bit. Because this this is this is about this is about Tammy and and our lovely host of Creative Piecemeal. I want to know what's your favorite thing about yourself and why. Oh my gosh! <laughs> um, oh, how the worm is turned! <laughs> I know it's like wait, why did I agree to this? No, it's good. I, <laughs> um, I, I guess I'd have to say. <laughs> I guess I'd have to say my creativity. Um, I just, now whether or not I finish a project is a whole different story, but I absolutely love diving into the creative art field and just having fun with it, whether it's just jamming and making music or writing a poem or doing the podcast, working on a manuscript. Um, Like that's just how my brain works. And if I don't do enough creative stuff, like I feel it, you know, I feel like, I feel a little creatively grumpy and then I have to be like, shut out the world and do some creative stuff for a while. And then I come back out and I'm like, my cup has been refilled and like I've been refueled, you know? So I'd say that's my favorite part about myself. Yeah, no, I, I relate because cool. I, I, I start a lot of projects in my, my personal life that never get finished. I mean, anytime I'm writing a song, it's like 
this may not ever get finished. And sometimes they do. And that's awesome. And sometimes they don't. And that's cool. And sometimes they resurface years later, repurposed for another purpose. A lot of the music on our podcast is actually unfinished songs that I was like, Oh, well we need some background music for this. Oh, well, Hey, I've got this unfinished song. This works. So it's, it's, yeah, I totally get it. It's, it's, it's part of it is just the, the creative process, not the completion. Yes. Yes. Very true. Very true. There's, there's such joy and freedom in just making something. You know, and just letting yes. your imagination go wild, you know? Definitely. I so much love the chapters of that historical novel. I better read. I, I I hope that gets finished. I can't wait to see where it goes. I still think about the characters. You created really engaging characters. They stuck in my head. I still think oh, you should make you a gay so romance happen. That would really shake things <laughs> up for the time frame in which you wrote it. <laughs> Well, quick backstory yes, here. Yes. You're 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 talking about you're talking about a manuscript that that you're reading of of Tammy's, right? I, I read, I read, yeah. and I gave her feedback. Yeah, yeah. I might be reading more yes. in the future. Some of her listeners might not yes. be aware of that, so this is very very cool news. She's a good writer. Yeah. Oh, thank She's you. That's high praise coming from you. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah I actually published. I published a poem of yours. Indeed. And I'm indeed. Picky. I love that it was on page 100, by the way. That makes my heart happy. It's an even number. <laughs> That's so weird that that was just serendipity. So, what's a book you could read over and over and never tire of? Well, there's quite a few of them. Um, but the first one that comes to mind is one that I had read, I used to read every winter called Snowfall by K.M. Payton. And I'm Oh gosh, it wasn't. It's an older book, you know, from from a, a little while back. But it just got such a lovely story and multiple points of view. And you know, it's you know set in a wintry climate. So anytime it was like holiday break, I would read it, and it would just become like my tradition to read it every year. Um, I haven't read it in a long time though, because the book is actually back home at my folks' house. So I need to retrieve that and restart that tradition. That's lovely. Have you read that one? I haven't. I haven't. I should look for it. Yeah, it's a nice one. See, that leads me to a question that I don't think is on the list, but is very related. And that is, what is a, a record or a piece of music that you could listen to oh, perfect. over and over again and never tire of? Oh, wow. Um, well, I really, really love Mozart. He's one of my favorites. But in terms of a piece I could me listen too. to over and over again... I would have to say the Beethoven Triple Concerto. So it's, hmm. if you're not familiar with it, it's a concerto is usually like a piece for one solo instrument and an orchestra. But okay. this is a triple, so it's for piano, cello, and violin. And they all play interplay together. And they have solos within and work as an ensemble with an orchestra behind them. And it's just absolutely gorgeous. Like, just melt your heart. It's amazing. So I know the piece. I'd have to go with that I, th one. I think I know it as well, but I, I'd have to, I'd have to hear it to, to be sure. But I think I know what you're talking about. And if it is what I'm thinking it is, I agree. That's, I come from a classical, classically trained pianist, concert choir kid. So it got pretty well. I think we share a lot of that early indoctrination. <laughs> we do. We do. Yes. Yeah. That is, that's a good question and a good piece. Yeah, no, that's a good answer. I appreciate it. 
What do you know to be true today that you didn't know a year ago? I think in getting a little more personal here, I am a people pleaser by nature. So I've been working to not be a people pleaser and to, you know, do more self-care and put up boundaries. So I think what I have learned even in the last year or since last year is that I have to be protective of my creative time and my social time. Mm. And mm-hmm. and it's so important that I have both of those things, not necessarily in equal amounts, but I need those. And if I do too much creative time and not enough social time, it's not a it's not a happy Tammy and vice versa or or none at all. Like I definitely need both of those in my life. Like no matter how busy I get. Yeah. Well that that's 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 good self self-care for sure. Yeah. Also the, the you're you're young. Once you pass your 40th birthday, I find most people um definitely it was true of me. Saying no gets so much easier. And the older you get, the easier it gets just to draw a hard line and be like, nope, nope. That infringes on time I need. I struggle. I struggle with it a bit in my professional life saying no because, you know, I, I do want happy clients and I do want to make everybody happy in, in a and timely fashion and then make money, of course. Yeah. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Well, yeah, but, but there's definitely times like right now I am actually so busy at the studio that I actually have been turning people away and saying like, can you, can you wait three weeks? Can you wait a month? Cause I've just, I'm backlogged, which is the first time since prior to the pandemic that that's actually been oh, the no, case. It's wild. Yeah. It's really kind of, kind of unusual. Um, is that a good I problem to have? Oh, yes. it's, it's better than the opposite. Yeah. Yeah. It's better than, True. than where is everybody? Um, yeah. <laughs> let's see. Oh, oh, I, I want to make this a two parter because I, I like this question a lot. If you, de- if you describe yourself in one word, what would it be? Wait, what's part two? Oh, oh well answer with part one and then I'll give you part two. <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> oh my goodness gracious. Um, I'm going to go with resilient. Excellent. Excellent. Now, in three words. Oh my gosh. <laughs> I know. It <laughs> that was spin on it, right? <laughs> I like that. Oh, I'm going to steal that for the podcast. Um, three words funny, um, creative, and gosh, the third word is eluding me here. Um, well, resilient. I guess I would say f- foodie also because I love to eat. Foodie. Oh, cool. Nice. <laughs> nice. Excellent. Oh, so yeah. So four great words to describe you. That's awesome. Okay. So that naturally just leads. I was going to ask something else, but just that naturally leads into this one. What top three meals would you recommend to a tourist visiting your part of the world? Mm, yeah, that will segue as well. Mm, um, so I'm in Texas in one of the larger cities. So, of course, Tex-Mex would be one of them. Mm. Um, There are some really great places to get fajitas or enchiladas. All of are very good. There's some really fantastic Mediterranean restaurants here. So people who've emigrated from other countries, you know, came here and set up shop to do uh, Mediterranean food. 
And those mm. are really awesome. A couple, There's a couple that come to mind. One is Nico Nico's, which has been around since the 70s, before my time. They're a pretty well-loved establishment here in the Houston area. Also, um, Olive Oil Restaurant in uh, the Woodlands mm. is another good one, too. So. Hmm. Well, if we're, oh, we're wait, in you your neck of the woods. Meals. Oh, right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Gosh. You, you actually um, did originally. <laughs> I'm just reading what you wrote. <laughs> <laughs> Me? I did. That was my fault. Um, well, Whataburger, if you're going for a less sort of a more casual thing, Whataburger is a wonderful fast food establishment that puts all the others to shame. And they're open 24 hours a day, seven days a week. I've heard good things. They're famous, right? Yeah. They're they're really. F- I, I think they're on diners, dives, and dash and, and drive-ins. I mean, the yeah. Guy Fieri show. Oh yeah, you know people always talk about like when are we going to get a water water burger up here in the Northeast? It's like, well, we have <laughs> Sonic, kind of. I mean, that's not quite the same. We don't have In and Out, but we have in Northampton. We have a, a, a local burger burger joint called Local Burger that are very 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 I good. I can't eat their stuff. I think that's because they, the, the, the oils they use. I, I, yeah, yeah. I, I absolutely cannot. That, yeah, I think it's mm. the, oil, the oils that they use to like fry their fries. I think you're allergic to, but, but they are very, they are a very good burger. So shout out to local burger, I guess. On your, on your shout podcast. out with me saying, and I can't eat it. I can't <laughs> eat their food. And it's been a long time since you've advertised meat for tea. So step it up. Uh, that's right. They were, they, yeah, full disclosure, they were a, a regular advertiser for uh, a number of uh, issues. <laughs> oh, this one, this one, I think you actually may have asked me this one. I can't remember, but I like it. What's a band you don't like, but everyone else? I almost to asked that one. <laughs> um. God, and, 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 and I, if I did answer that, I can't recall what I would have answered, but well, anyway, people can go so back many. and find, find that one. <laughs> Hopefully nobody hates me for this. <laughs> but personal I'm taste is personal exactly, taste. I'm not exactly your biggest Beatles fan. Um, I, I would not recreationally put on the Beatles to listen to. I have a lot of respect for their music. It's catchy. It's very great in what I do uh, with music therapy. But I would not actively listen to their music. No, you're not. You're not alone in that. Interesting. You're we, not alone. We're pretty big Beatles, we, Beatles yeah. admirers. Oh, there's there's like there's at least two, two if not three Beatles podcasts that I listen to regularly. <laughs> well, also in our vinyl collection, we have like a fair number. Two yeah. copies of the White Album, different pressings, or is it three and two copies of Abbey Road, or is it three different pressings? Like it's a very well, yeah. We do have the <laughs> we also have the stereo yeah. remix of the White Album on vinyl as well. Yeah, which is really actually a remarkable record. Um, yeah, and but, again, like well, full it. respect for the band. It's just not. It's just not quite my cup of tea. You know, I do have a yeah. few favorite songs, but like I'm not going to yeah, put on no. the Beatles station. <laughs> no, no, I, I totally understand. It's it, you know. It's I feel like I'm very much a, in the minor minority with that, though. I don't know. I've heard a few people express that opinion. If it's a minority, you're not alone. If it's a minority, sure. it's not. It's not a tiny minority. It's it's maybe a you know, it's a slight minority. But no, it's, it's, <laughs> it's, it's the thing about music, though, is like a not everything is for everybody, and b right like. 
it's all individual and it's all, it, it has so many things to do with like how you're, what you listened to when you grew up and what your parents played or, you know, where, where you grew up. And there's so many different factors. So it's, it, there's no judgment at all. That brings me to a really logical next question. If we snuck a peek at your music collection, what are some things we'd find? Yay. I love this question. Um, me too. I have a ton of CDs. I know not as many as you guys, <laughs> but I have a ton. We have mainly um, albums. No, we have, we have a couple thousand CDs too. Yeah. They're so great. It would be a mix of like musicals, um, like the Music Man and Les Miserables. And um, I really love female art singer-songwriters, like Freya Writings. She's really great. Um, mm. And jazz artists, Stacey Kent. She's fantastic. And then, of course, some rock bands like Muse and Radiohead. And um, mm. I'm drawing a blank, but just a pretty big variety. And I do own some Beatles albums, but um, I... Again, I don't necessarily put them on. I'll put on something else. <laughs> oh, I also really love Melody Gardot in terms of a female singer-songwriter. She's fantastic. Oh, Not even familiar. French artist, I take it, right? Um, yeah, I think she has... Contemporary? Contemporary, yep. She's from America, but I think she sings a lot in French and does a lot. She might live in France now that I think of it, but... Her last name fantastic. is pretty... Pretty Franchi French. Yes, yes. I think she may have some French ancestry, but like super amazing. Super amazing. Oh, so. I have to make a note. Yeah. Oh, I know I'll, what I was going to say. I'll have to send you a list. I think I just learned of a band that is is from Texas that are they're they're kind of shoegazy, kind of noisy, but super melodic at the same time. Called. Ringo Death Star. Hmm. Well, that's as, an unforgettable like, name. Yeah, well, maybe it is, Ringo, right? Ringo Death Star. And a, a coworker, a colleague of mine, played one of their records the other day, and it reminded me at once of so Doobie. many. Uh, Mark Dooley. Yeah, Mark Dooley. Dooley. Um, I mean, yeah. He's got an amazing, amazing record collection himself. He's a he's a he's a musicologist practically. But it reminded me of bands like Medicine and Curve and Jesus and Mary Chain and My Bloody Valentine, like that whole sort of shoegaze noise arc, but super groovy and super melodic. So that's a recommendation that if you want to check out Ringo Death Star, cool. if you like female vocals, yeah. most of the vocals are, are the bass player. Uh, she, she does most of the vocals. Oh, neat. Yeah, I'll definitely check that out. And we'll be back in just a moment. And welcome back. All right, all right. That was a lot of fun, and there's a so lot much more. Fun. There's a lot more to that to that podcast. So you can find it wherever you get your favorite podcasts, like we said before. Or we'll also have a link to it, at least one or two links to a couple of popular platforms in the show notes as well. Like a lot of your favorite podcasts, Creative Piecemail is available on our very favorite platform. Good Pods. Good Pods. Good Pods is like good reads, but for podcasts, it's wonderful. And they really shine a spotlight on indie podcasts. And you can't say that for a lot of other platforms. So I really like to give them a shout out and encourage people to check out Good Pods. It's the main place where I listen to podcasts. You can get, unless a 
podcast isn't exclusive to a particular platform, and there are some that are, mm-hmm. you can get everything. I haven't found anything I can't get through Good Pods. Yeah, speaking of a podcast that you can get on Good Pods, the fabulous 413 you can get on Good Pods. You certainly can. Yeah, pretty much everywhere else you can get on NPR One. <laughs> yes, and on NPR One, they're, they're, they're part of the, the NPR affiliate station network in this country. Seems like the theme of this podcast is here, Elizabeth and Mark, having fun with other people. It is. It is. And I think we uh, had a really, really wonderful time with... You think? I think, yeah. You don't know? (laughs) You're not certain? I'm certain we had a fantastic time. It was absolutely wonderful. I I, I don't need to deliberate. I'm speaking extemporaneously, and that's just what came out, out of my mouth. Yes, we had a wonderful time with Khalees and Monty on The Fabulous 413, and well, here it is. Welcome to the fabulous. Welcome to the fabulous 413. I'm Khalees Smith. And I'm Monty Belmonte. It's live Music Friday. And coming up, music in studio with Wallace Field. We're playing a field in East Hampton is. next weekend. What is it? Is. Well, Wallace Field is. Okay, we'll find out because Chelsea Field is Wallace Field too. So we'll find out the, the differences <laughs> between that name. Wallace Field is and or Wallace Field are playing a field in East Hampton next weekend to support the Arcadia Wildlife Sanctuary. We'll also talk to Jonah Keane, the sanctuary's director. I found out they're both from Shelburne Falls and <gasps> they both in the green room realized that about themselves, which oh, is really fun. Bringing people together in yeah. their hometowns. Uh, and we'll enter the wine Thunderdome and find an alternative to the most boring grape, Pinot Grigio. Shout out to Christian out there. But first... Oh, I sound like I'm on the radio. <laughs> <laughs> this is fresh air. I mean, no. I sound like I'm on the radio. You're listening to Fresh Air, and I'm Terry Gross. <laughs> Here in the studios at New England Public Media. Don't we wish. This Saturday, Divine Theater at Gateway City Arts in Holyoke, Le Cirque du Collectif Artistique. So fancy, all these French words. I'm not exactly sure what they mean, except that it has to do with meat for tea, the Valley Review. And joining us is one of the founders of Meat for Tea, Elizabeth McDuffie, as well as husband and engineer, I think famous sound engineer from our area, who's worked with so many incredible musicians over the years, Mark Allen Miller, who are behind Meat for Tea. If people aren't familiar with what Meat for Tea is, Elizabeth, what is Meat for Tea? Meat for Tea is an arts and literary journal, which is now midway through its 17th year. We've always had quarterly events to celebrate the release of each issue, so obviously it's a quarterly publication. (laughs) And more recently, it's also a book press and a podcast. The Meat for Tea cast. Which I just checked, and we are sitting at Number one in the top 100 performing arts indie podcasts on Good Pods. Congratulations. Awesome. Number you, one listeners. with a bullet. That pleases me. The homonyms in the name, meat for tea, of course, like you would meet someone for tea, but this we're talking meat like dead animals. And how did this publication get its start? I was adjuncting at Holyoke Community College, and I was in the office with my colleague and friend, Alex Wagman. We were grading student papers, and she turned to me and said, we should start a literary zine. And I said, uh, okay. <laughs> and that conversation happened in November, and we released the inaugural issue, Theme of Gristle, in February of 2006, so just months after having that conversation. 
That is a really fast turnaround. <laughs> Some people were calling us a get it done girls. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. It's a, a collaboration of, it ends up being nonfiction and fiction and poetry and art, some of which is displayed on the cover, some of which is, is inside. How did you decide to have like as broad coverage of literature and the arts as you do? Was that always the intent? It always was. We always wanted it to represent multiple genres. I've always felt that people like some pictures with their words, no matter how old they are. Yeah, you don't outgrow that. No, it's wonderful. There's an intellectual rigor underpinning meat for tea. Maybe after you get through that, a couple pictures would be refreshing. Is there always a, a meat theme? Because I, you know, the names, you said gristle was the first um, <laughs> issue, and then I know there's loaf and then casserole. So tell, is that is that an ongoing theme of these quarterlies? That's an excellent question. And no, actually, from our very first issue, we decided, you know, it's meat for tea, and it was alternating years. So we alternate between meat and tea themes. Uh huh. <laughs> so that's how it came to be that there was a chamomile or a hemp. Is this a meat year or a tea year? This is a meat year. The year of the meat. <laughs> imagine casserole tea. Years. What what would casserole tea casserole even tea. be? I don't know. And the new issue is called casserole. It is. That's the theme. Tell us about what's featured in the new issue. Oof, we just finished. Lots the of stuff. Um, we, we've yeah. We just. So it's fresh on your mind. Fresh it's, meat. it's fresh on my mind. No, the, there's two wonderful stories by Jeffrey Feingold, and we recently published his book. The Black Hole Pastrami and other stories. Again, which, a meat reference. <laughs> Not necessary. Which just happened. It just happened. That, that, that was just Unplanned. some serendipitous occurrence. But um, he's been getting rave reviews on the books. I actually what, read one review in which his writing was compared to that of Isaac Bashevis Singer. So. Mm. Huh? Nice. Not crappy praise. <laughs> yeah, so yeah, we get the couple really great short stories from him and a lot of poetry in this poet- issue. Lots of poetry. Good it's pretty poetry-heavy. Poetry We've got poetry from regular contributors, Jane Yolen and her husband, Peter Tacey. Yeah, small names, that, Jane Lee Yolen. Uh, yeah, right? <laughs> a little-known author who's written, like, 400 literal b- books right now. Is a, 400 and counting. Like, 467 or something She is something so like prolific. From, it is wild. From Hatfield, Owl Moon, mm-hmm. her famous book. Mm-hmm. So I have many more. run into more than one person who have never heard of her. They'll get a copy of me for Jane Jane Yolen, who's this? I'm like, um... She's pretty good. I'm just always... <laughs> is aghast that someone with that literary celebrity has not gotten onto a person's radar. I'm, this is an ad for Jane Yolen. Yeah, she has been invited on the show. She hasn't made it yet, but we'll have her on one of these times for sure. Oh, yeah. Have her or with her husband because they, yeah. they've been writing what they call back and forth poems. Oh, cool. And, and yeah. They have an amazing older folk COVID era love story. So it, yeah. it, they would be worth having on just for that and the poems it, too. It is. It's yeah. a wonderful you story. You can hear that on the Meat for Tea cast. Oh, actually. Oh. Shameless plug. Oh, hey. Can I segue that? So your magazine magazine has had a podcast not for too too long maybe about like 2019 yeah where did the decision to move into into podcasting come from well we we you know we've been recording all of the uh, the circs all the release parties 
live recording. The the bands and the spoken As word sounds. As you know. <laughs> yes. Yeah, we have somebody here who's been recorded. I've performed at one of these, it's true. Or Full two of disclosure. Them. Several. <laughs> the, so we have all these recordings. I'm like, what are we going to do with them? They, we batted around the idea of some sort of two CD, three CD anthology with live music interspersed with spoken word. But that's, that became really impractical. And we kept getting more and more recordings. <laughs> so we started talking about, oh, maybe use them as part of a podcast. And that's actually kind of was the, the it, first it, season was more it was that. organic. Mm. It was more it was more of the recordings from the Cirques. And then we started shifting more into conversations. Well actually I sound like I'm about to mansplain. Go for you it. You can well actually me, that's fine. <laughs> well actually the first episode of the Meet for Tea cast yeah. was a live recording not of a Cirque but of a special event we did at Corsello's Butcheria. Yeah. Cold more, cuts and cool cats. More meats. It yeah. was a match made in heaven. <laughs> the next Cirque is tomorrow, Saturday, September 9th at the Divine Theater at Gateway City Arts in Holyoke. Le Cirque de Collectif Artistique with Meat for Tea, the Valley Review, which is a non-academic affiliated magazine that recognizes the work of artists and writers and musicians living here in Western Mass and beyond. And we're joined by the folks behind Meat for Tea, Elizabeth McDuffie and Mark Allen Miller. The doors are at 7 and the cover is sliding scale. F- oh, are we, we supposed to talk about? There's, oh, we can bleep that we can out. Bleep we can bleep out, out the, all the prices. Yes. <laughs> we'll just say sliding scale and, and call it. Good. There yeah, is art on exhibit from the very illustrious Zosia Kohansky, also known as Wishbone Zoe, who designed our glorious poster. Also art from Chrissy Howland, who you may have seen tending bar in the Divine Theater. And there will be films by Wishbone Zoe. Spoken word, as always, and I never know who all is showing up to read until the night of. It would be nice, but I never do. It's kind of a cattle call. I love that film has always been, or has for a long time been a part of these search. Just about always. What made you want to make local film a part of these celebrations for a literary magazine? That's been since the very beginning, since the very first release party, the Cirque that um, Alex Wagman and I had, we included short films. And there's really not a very illustrious answer other than we like it. (laughs) Part of it, too, is that you can't put, at least not easily, film or music into a printed format. For a while, we did include a a CD, a limited edition CD with the magazine. And there was a CD-ROM in one issue which had films. So, you know, that was was attempted, but it it was impractical and, and... as the numbers of the issue went higher and higher. It's a, in a way, it's a way of extending, I think, the content of, of a arts and literary journal to be all, Multimedia. You know, all arts. You know, and me being in, a, in a, you know, the music world, it's like, yeah, let's do that. I wasn't part of the, uh, the start of it, but I no, joined on kind of early. you came on board. Well, we started dating in spring 2009, and you were... Only interested in meeting me because of Meat for Tea. Really, we'd gotten together to talk about. Wow! <laughs> yeah, it wasn't Literary actually. Journal Zine equals romance. Yeah, it wasn't intended, but it worked out. Lonely, start your own arts and literary journal. <laughs> I mean, the world could use more of that. We already <laughs> talked about Jane Yolen's new romance I know, surrounding and, all this, so hey, it could and work. the poetry that comes of it. So I guess the lesson here for everyone is write more poetry, write more fiction, meet the people of your dreams. <laughs> and Mark, you mentioned that you had come from a music background. You've, you've worked with so many of our favorite local musicians, you know, working on their production of their albums and yeah. Stone Coyotes and Spouse and Dinosaur and all these other great acts. So uh, that if you've heard that name before, it may be 
from the music realm, not just the the literary realm of meat for tea. If you totally. can, if you can read liner notes. Uh, yeah. Your streaming app probably doesn't have a lot of good liner notes <laughs> these days. Probably, that's true. <laughs> Elizabeth McDuffie, one of the founders of Meat for Tea, I've always wondered this. I know that it's a fun play on words because it's spelled M-E-A-T, as we've talked about ad nauseum. Right. For Homonyms. Tea. But does, is it a Bob Dylan reference? Because there is that Mighty Quinn song where he says, uh, ain't my cup of meat. You know it ain't my cup of meat. And I've always wondered, is oh. it a subtle Bob Dylan oh, reference to call it meat for tea in that way? No. Unintentionally. Okay. Good. Now you I want, know. You want the story? It's, it's back in the days of MySpace. Wow. <laughs> oh, when Tom was your friend. <laughs> I'm so old. When dinosaurs roamed the earth. I miss Tom. <laughs> yes, exactly. When dinosaurs roamed the earth, a fellow slid into my DMs and asked if I would want to meet for tea. And he spelled it that way. <laughs> and of course, I was English professoring at the time, <laughs> so no date for him. Immediate disqualification. Immediate. But I, I liked the way the words looked on the page, and I decided I was going to keep that. But uh, initially, Meat for Tea was kind of an industrial electronica band. I was on synths and keys, and the bass player moved to... Brooklyn and the drummer moved to Rhode Island, so no more meat for tea the band. And that fateful day in November of 2006 when Alex said we should start a literacy, and I said, well, I've got a name. What made you decide to move into being a publishing house? Now you release, like... People's novels and people's chapbooks. We got strong armed. I, 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 I was reluctantly coerced into it. I really didn't want to. It's a, a whole fr- set of logistics on top a of A frequent the early contributor, Michael Alves, just kept after me. He's like, I, I want you to publish my book. You should really you should really do a book press. You need to do a book press. And I just consistently said, No, no, no. And what's the benefit for you? And you should just self publish and our distribution leg and arm are very short and our publicity legs and arms are even shorter. I'm now so, envisioning the meat for tea with tiny arms like a dinosaur. <laughs> it walks on teacup legs. <laughs> yeah, right. Meat for tea rat. <laughs> <laughs> That's a first. I love it. But anyway, so M- Michael just Team kept meat. after me and kept after me. And he's like, the benefit is it wouldn't be self-published. It would have the name of an imprint on it. And the press exists is really due to his tenacity. And that was in 2014. And now we have eight, nine. Eight or nine or something like that. Yeah. I know the, re- the most recent is The Black Hole Pastrami and other stories. Jeffrey Feingold There's before that be... was Funny Pages, Jerome Berglund, Collection of Senru. Are they all local authors too, or is this the beyond? No, yeah. no, they're, they're they're from everywhere. Yeah. yeah. What usually grabs you about pieces that end up in the magazine? I look for a few things. I mean, my taste. There's definitely a sort of punk rock aesthetic, but also I just want to see some real intellectual agility. So really, really smart writing, but also. Maybe some self-reflexive irony. There's a bit of a punk rock aesthetic, I think. Yeah. The thing is, it's a zine that grew out of the name of a band. And it's not even, (laughs) and it's outgrown really the descriptor of zine anymore because it's perfect bound and averages 135 to 145-ish pages per issue. So it's it's truly... Hefty. Yeah, it's granta-sized, if you're familiar with that. (laughs) <laughs> esteemed literary publication. <laughs> Yours is also esteemed. You've won awards for this magazine. Yeah, we, we won first place 
in a couple of New England book shows, and then we won Best in Category, category obviously being literary journals, putting us above plowshares. Elizabeth McDuffie and Mark Allen Miller from Meet for Tea, that's M-E-A-T, hosting Le Cirque de Collectif Artistique tomorrow, Saturday, September 9th at the Divine Theater at Gateway City Arts in Holyoke at 7 p.m. Sliding scale with all sorts of multimedia extravaganza surrounding the most recent issue. And you can check out their podcast, the Meet for Tea cast, wherever podcasts are available. Thank you both so much. Thank you very much. Thank you for having us. It was a blast. Yay! All right, all right, all right. That was great. The whole episode is available, like we said, wherever you get your favorite podcasts. But that was our segment. Good pods. Good pods. So before we let you go, please stick around for a little housekeeping. This kind of stuff that we're about to mention really helps keep us afloat and keep us making content creation for you. Oh, God, why did I use that term? I don't know. I hate that phrase. (laughs) Keeps us bringing you cool arts and literary journal books and podcast and live events for those of you that are in the area or don't mind driving a bit. So all the best ways to support us can be found on our website at meetfortea.com. That is M-E-A-T-F-O-R-T-E-A.com. There you will find links to subscribe to Meet for Tea. That's one of the very best ways to support us is just subscribe to the Arts Literary Journal. You can also buy individual issues or PDFs. There's our Patreon page linked there. We also have a Teespring. We're running a sale. Free shipping. Yep, code word casserole. If you go to Teespring and look up Meet for Tea, we also have links on the website. Click the little t-shirt icon on every page and that'll bring you there where you can get all sorts of goodies with our various logos emblazoned on them. And we're in a fundraising season. If you're feeling like you want to donate to Meet for Tea, then we'll update our website with us. Donations of over $100 should be made to gatewaycitylive.org. They are our fiscal sponsor, which makes your donation tax deductible dun, dun, dun. so we will we will link all that information for you yes and we appreciate all the support we get from you guys oh and speaking of support don't forget our patreon i was about side. to say let's not forget patreon there's cool stuff there and there's more cool stuff coming all the time yeah you can get a free pdf of every issue when it comes out if you are a part of the four dollar or more tier so that's a pretty good deal. Yeah, our deluxe tier is $4 and up. Our super deluxe tier, which is the, we really appreciate, thank you so much for supporting us. And What is that, a thousand? <laughs> yeah, it's, it's six. It's just like, hey, if you want to pay us a little bit more, we're not going to say no. But uh, for $4 a month, you get all of our extra bonus content, which there's more coming soon. And things like every three months, a free copy of the magazine in PDF form. Right there. So that's a great way to support us too. Awesome. Thanks for listening, guys. Yeah, thanks for sticking we'll see around. See you next time. We hope to be bringing you a chat with brilliant author Gail Brandeis talking about her cool new book of essays, Drawing Breath. She's had a cold. I'm hoping she's recovered. Yep. And other things, other guests coming soon as well. Thanks for sticking around, listening to the Meat for Tea cast. See you in a couple weeks. 
Meat for Tea cast is produced by Elizabeth McDuffie and Meat for Tea The Valley Review. Visit Meat for Tea at www.meatfortea.com. Please consider going to anchor.fm to make a contribution through our contribution page. You can reach us through meatforteacast at gmail.com or you can leave a voice message at anchor.fm forward slash meatforteacast. We welcome suggestions for contents for the Meat for Tea cast. If you've attended a Meat for Tea Cirque and want to hear from one of the bands or one of the spoken word contributors, please let us know. All portions are copyright Meat for Tea and their respective holders. Vote for Meat for Tea on your favorite podcast app. Follow us on Twitter at Elizabeef, Meat for Tea on Instagram and on the Meat for Tea and Meat for Tea cast Facebook pages. Meat for Tea is available everywhere you get your favorite podcasts.